Good morning and welcome to Fencing by the Book, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at the early Lichtenhauer longsword glosses. I'm your host, Mike Swarge, and joining us are our panel of Johanna Hopfgardner, Michael Chidester, Stephen Cheney, and TQ. This is episode 23, where we'll be discussing lines 68 to 9 on the Legger, positions or guards. What have we been up to since the last week, Johanna? Uh, I, I, I don't remember. When, when did we last meet up? Last week? Yeah, I think so. Oh god, okay. I, I didn't do anything HEMA related then. So I spend the last few days lifting weights and working on my explosiveness and doing some fun footwork drills, but I didn't do anything that involves another fencer. And I might not get that much more HEMA training or sparring opportunities before the tournament. Uh, the one in three weeks. So I try. Oh, uh, the one in Switzerland called Swiss Bears Cup, I think. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> but since I don't get that much more HEMA training before that, I try to work on my fitness in other ways. Oh, yeah. And I've been thinking since my club basically sends a full delegation of fences uh, to the tournaments, there will probably be plenty of people to ask to film my fights. Um, so I thought about a fun idea. Um, I, was seeing, uh, I was thinking if there's any... Hmm, device or piece or technique i don't know Stück. <laughs> our listeners are particularly interested in seeing being carried out in a competitive setting uh they can drop me a line and i'll try to give them a hopefully successful example of my interpretation of said technique so i might ask for Ooh. it on facebook and discord yeah Get myself it's daring to take like that. Yeah, <laughs> I know it is, but it's also a fun challenge for the first tournament in a long, long time. Cool. Uh, Michael, what have you been up to? Oh, that's a good question. What week is this? Did my fundraiser wrap up before the last one? I think it did. Uh, so the I believe it technically did, yeah. The facsimiles are going forward. We raised... 80 something thousand for the second project. And I just sent some checks out to the bindery to move that project along. Although I still haven't found paper and other samples that I'm satisfied with for the Fiore. So waiting for a new round of samples from the bindery on that. But the towel hoppers are just about done. Also working on my, a revision to my 3227A book, which is going to be much nicer and also incorporate errors I noticed in the translation. Well. Not necessarily errors, but things I could have done better that have been bugging me. So in addition to reformatting it, I'm making some textual edits. And what else? Uh, Kendra and I actually went out and did a little bit of Messer play this last weekend, um, which is the first time I've picked up a sword in a while. Then we did some Lekutner study. Lekutner is weird and also redundant. So redundant. Like down to having the same play multiple times with you know, a tweak that doesn't matter. <laughs> and not just the the ending mm. method. More than that? Yeah, like, instead of just saying, you can do this with both edges, he'll, like, give you the exact same play in excruciating detail with the edge changed. Um, just so he can fill up two pages instead of one. It really seems like he was going for length in his book. As Is that opposed like to clarity. 700 pages or whatever? Uh, 400, but yeah, more than he needed. 
Are you sure it wasn't a distresser book? <laughs> uh, I'm not I... sure about anything related to distresser, but maybe. I remember in uh, Lakushner, I think in like the Anzutsen section or something or Long Point, he says like if he stands in like the what's what's his flug? Aber. If he stands in Aber on his left side, then shoot the point long and stab him. If he stands on Aver in his right side, shoot the point long and stab him. <laughs> and he just has like the same description, but for like every one of the like like the Aber and the the Stier. And I thought that was funny. Yeah. Also, his Zornhau is bizarre because it involves like multiple thrusts before you Avnaman. You cut and thrust in left ox, and then you wind to right ox and thrust again. And then if he displaces both of those, you Avnaman to the other side. And he has like three different versions of Avnaman. Which makes a lot of sense for Longsword, but not really for Messer. <laughs> so you end up just like, okay, I'm going to go all the way to my left. And then wait for him to push me completely across to the far right side until my point is finally offline, and then I'll cut around. Well, I'm sure it was designed to teach principles. Oh, yeah. Probably. The one thing I have heard as a, a reasonable hypothesis for part of the craziness there is that you, because Messer blades are typically shorter, you can't do a kind of, you someone who extends their arm with a parry can oppose the, if your blades are bound sort of strong to strong. They can stop your point reaching, whereas the longsword blade normally the blade will like reach a, the whole length of the arm and still reach the target. So you have to wind up to the weak of their sword to be able to drive the first thrust in. Hmm. That's exactly hmm. why like the, the longsword stuff like doesn't translate to Messer like Lakushner pretended pretends it does because <laughs> like yeah way, like like if the Messer is longer than my arm, then how are you supposed to do like most of this winding stuff? doesn't work hmm. anyway <laughs> thanks for listening to the Nestor podcast yeah we'll, we'll do the cooking after we finish our deal guys we promise oh, yeah. no, we won't. Probably. <laughs> after after we do Meyer and oh, people were asking for Fiore after our first episode yeah oh, all right Steve what have you been up to in the last week oh I, on, I just wanted to throw out one I did notice one interesting thing in the cooking which is in terms of abnaming interpretation, he has basically all the different abnamings we've discussed as separate plays. And he's not really clear on which one is abnaming. So maybe everybody's right. Hooray. So this week, I think the only thing that I did was that uh, Zorn Hal thing, where I made a mm -hmm. video with a bunch of clips of things that kind of have some elements of the Zorn Hal, but None of them have all of the elements like described in the text. And mm. I asked people, the only person in this panel who participated was Michael Smallridge. So thank you for that. And I wish everybody else would. So I'm, I'm calling you out on that right now. But yeah, it only took five <laughs> minutes while I was sat at my desk at work. <laughs> I will do it by the time we release this episode. Okay, good. Ah, great. <laughs> and it's just there's like i think there's 19 examples and i just want people to choose whether they consider each example as or how because i want to get cool. i'm trying to get like a idea of because things like when you're fencing things don't happen you know things get messy and they don't happen exactly like they do in the book so i just want to see are you, like are you trying to see how modern languages the modern fences actually use the term right yeah like what 
what's the extent to what you consider like to be its or how or like a uh, a variation of it and yeah i think that's interesting so cool. if you're if you're super strict then none of them are actually torn house but right. nobody I'm has said no watch it. i'm just gonna say no for all of them well <laughs> you have to watch them first. yeah i mean i expect somebody to say no to all of them but I'd prefer them to actually believe that they're all news instead of just like <laughs> being a troll about it. Anyway, that's what I did this week. Cool. And where can the oh I'll put a link in the, the show notes. Uh T, what have you been up to in the last week? Uh I've just done a bit of fencing. Um my club is managing to still run despite the slow re-rise of COVID in the UK. So we'll see how much longer we can stay open for, but for now we're going. Continuing to slowly increase the level of abuse we put on our new super light super flexi long swords so more one-to-one -one lessons and starting to do some harder sparring with them as well and they're holding up pretty well so far so uh promising and another couple of weeks and i'll have a full review out i'm sure cool um in the last week i had a little play with a with steel with a visitor from south island only saber doesn't really count um i tried to provoke a an in-depth look at the shuttle have from our last episode but nobody seems willing to base arguments on the text <laughs> uh if you want to jump on the discord or or the kdf talk forum yeah that's about it shall we shall we have a look at the text for today's episode johanna Yes. <lacht> Vier Lege allein, davon halt und fleuchte gemein. Ochs pflug alba, vom Tag sei dir nicht unmer. Thank you very much. And Steve, could you give us Harriar's translation? Lay in four guards, and the rest disregard. Ox, pflug, and alba too. The vom Tag will not be unknown to you. Thank you very much. All right, so the the first thing to unpack here is that this section is on four guards or positions. Michael Jester, I'm sure you have something to say about this. Uh, about what? <laughs> are we can talk about oh, translations for later. How are we for... translating Lager? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of interesting translations for Lager. So the cognate in English, closest cognate is Lager which means siege. Um, oh, yeah, we've still got beleaguered. What? We've still got beleaguered. Yeah, like we a... have beleaguered. We've inherited that one, but the word leaguer by itself isn't really used unless you read like Tolkien, who loved it. But by and large, beleaguered is besieged. So we know that. But if you just say leaguer, no one gets it. Uh, that if you I study think, the what... history of the Boer War, you of course know about loggers as fortified wagons. I, I do know about lagers. But I, not I didn't know wagon. about lagers. <laughs> <laughs> it's also used in, according to, if you follow the hunting school of thought, um, a lager means a lair. I mean, that's also just what it means in general, but specifically the burrow where an animal is hiding is a lager, I believe. So you could, so, I mean, it comes from a verb that means to lay. So you could say layer or lying. Um, I think are two that I've seen in publications. Lager for Lager. 
But ultimately, it just means what? What about Lair? Lair, that's L-A. what I just said. Oh, you Place mean L-A-Y-E-R? <laughs> no, L-A-I-R. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Lair. Like, never mind. All right. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. L-A-I-R <laughs> is, I think, maybe the easiest and simplest to convey and understand, but also probably the least literal of the words that kind of sound like Leaguer. You can obviously go completely not literal and just say guard. Well, Lair is good if you go uh, for, like, like Fezets and if if you go full hunting mode, uh-huh. then Lair is what you want, which some people are choosing to do now. So, yeah, and I, it's kind of funny because I think that there's a lot of people on the internet now who believe in the hunting thing way more strongly than Jess Finley, who actually pioneered it, believes in it. But she yeah. has like this cult following now, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, I can't deny um, that the hunting thing is cool. Yeah, as from what I've heard from her, she just thinks it's a really interesting thing to to examine. Not that it's the gospel of like an hour, but it's often taken that way. Well, that's how the internet works. Yeah. The translation I tend to prefer, if I just want a neutral translation, is position. Agreed. Okay. Is that um, is, so? Out of curiosity, Steve, you're the one who's most likely to have looked at that. Do we find that in the dictionary for Lager? Uh, I don't remember. My justification for it is like a military position, like the position of a, you know, a besieging army or whatever. Because that's like an emplacement. Right. Yeah. Because we have, um, you know, Lager. You know, you mentioned Lager before as the position of a, you know, a military encampment or whatever. Yeah. I thought position would be the easiest thing to parallel that can, you know, be paralleled to both fencing and the sense of the military army position. Uh, I'm just right now looking up in a Middle High German dictionary. I know it's a bit too early, so late, <laughs> like when we're in, in the early New High German period, but I'm in the uh, Middle High German dictionary. But the words they give here are all words that have something to do with uh, lying, um, like a, a camp or a bed. And they also name uh, the bed of animals, so a lair would work, I guess. Um, interesting is that there is not no um, position or anything like that is not mentioned. So it's usually um, ca- a camp or a bed. Or even a grave. <laughs> so, so, like a resting place. Yeah, yeah it would be. Exactly. It's position in the sense of encampment. Right. Paulus Hector Meyer, in his Latin, I believe he uses a word that means military encampment um, oh, yeah. in place of Lega. Uh, but yeah. I thought that was interesting because Fiore does talk about positions as his alternative term for guards. He says posta. Um, so, that could be an interesting parallel if it holds up. Yeah. The reason I like position is less about like translation conventions and more that I specifically want to avoid guard because guard has connotations. Mm. A lot of people assume that guard means like a parrying position or something, but that isn't really a a sense that's used in the glosses, so I want to specifically avoid that. So I tend to prefer a translation like position because it just lets me say, look, this is a, a physical position you're in, but it's not carrying a, a sense of this is a guard, which is a defense, or this is like a, it's like interpretation neutral to a certain extent. I'm trying to avoid giving connotations of some specific thing that this thing does. 
Well, that's undermined by the actual text because they kind of use Lager and Hoot interchangeably. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and Hoot does mean guard, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, is there actually a section where they just say that they're like... A lot of the lines here say Lager order order Hoot. Yeah. yeah in, the list, in the list of the 17 Hauptstück in the beginning, it just says the four guards if you're hooting. Nice. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't get too worked up in hunting metaphors or... I mean, anyway. if the metaphor is there, and then it doesn't supersede the idea of guards. Maybe, maybe it complements it. Yeah, the hunting metaphor definitely is is good and 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 cool and you know makes sense. But I don't think it's the be all end all of interpretation. Okay. So we'll get back to that when we talk about Fez Edson, though. So yeah. so there are four of these positions. Use those and. Uh, and not the common ones. Ox, plow, fool, from the day, uh, you should be used to them. Is that a fair casual translation of this section of the, the Zettel? Yes, yeah, so what are the common ones we should be ignoring? So the first of the common ones is the ox. No, wait, common ones. Right, it uh, can't be shrunk hoot, and it can't be... Uh, Spreckfenster or Longpoint. Spreckfenster. Iron Door, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Posterity Corona. Um, Posterity Donna. Um. <laughs> Half-sorting Crown. Right, I guess I guess Crone is only used by the other guy, not by Lichtenauer's Fencer. Yep. The, one of the other things, like I guess where you can go in on the theme of what's the common one uh, for now, yeah, the it's very very vague about what the common guards are. Um, my personal hypothesis is that these are like these are some of the common guards. You have just a bunch of like known positions that people know and have kind of similarish or relatively consistent terms for, and these are the particular ones that the RDL, you know, that the, the Zettel is saying. Yeah, these are like the key ones that frame our system, and you can just throw away the other like twenty ones you know, because like Fiore has twelve and Meyer has like fifty, um, and you don't need all of those variations. You just need these four. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Maybe flee the common doesn't actually mean fleeing the common guards. Maybe it means something else. What? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you can't throw that out there. <laughs> right. Just, Maybe it means something else, but what? Eh? I don't know. So, that's, a, that's quick, an exercise for the reader. <laughs> so for our listeners, the, the gloss then goes through the guards. So the first one's Ox. I just have uh, one more thing I want to talk about okay. here, actually, before we go into what all the different guards are, which is that we're told in this section that you're t these are the four things you start from, that you know, you, know, you only start fencing from these four positions. But you're actually, it's remarkably rare anywhere in the RDL glosses to have your starting position described as one of the named guards. Yeah. It's quite common to see it described with verbiage that is similar to the description of one of the named guards. So there's a lot of like, put your left foot forward and have your sword at your shoulder, which is kind of similar to some of the verbiage describing Tug. But the, the specific use of the named guard to describe a position you start from, there are like three plays. Um, and that's literally it. There's uh, a could... bit more after the section on the Fiore guy, I think, than there are before. I think the only time before is uh, um, the Shinalhau. Start from Fumtog. 
Does it actually use the words Vomtok? In Lev, and if so, in, in Lev, okay, fair yeah. enough. But yeah, uh, there's a there's a couple in Absetson, and there's like one somewhere in the wine. There's some in the Winding in Danzig and Lev, yeah. and there's a well, couple there's, others. Yeah, there's Absetson, there's Ansetzen, there's uh, Nachreisen. You start in Vomtog. Uh, there's that's the, DL variation. React doesn't name the guards for most of those. Yeah, there's the winding. Then there's Spreckfenster, in which you start in a guard that is not one of the four. <laughs> but it's noblest and best. Right. Yeah. It's better than the four. <laughs> uh, so I think the, there's the, an the interesting how where you're an elbow and they try and fall on your blade. Yeah. Like so oh, yeah. yeah, you get like little bits and pieces here, but there's it's not like very common compared to the thing which is kind of implied here, which is that these are the four positions you'll always be starting from. And that's a really interesting and also, I feel. If you look at it, you get told to start in Shrunkhood almost as often as you get told to start in one of the mm -hmm. official four guards, mm -hmm. for example. And Shrunkhood could be Alber, but it's not called Alber. <laughs> I've, I've heard the theory, I think, from T, that these are conceptual tools so that you see how your opponent's standing, and then you lump it into one of these four positions and that gives you the tactical framework to decide what to go for your your next attack to have a improve the the odds or using them as like an OODA loop to, to quickly recognize what's going on in the fencing which is kind of the point of a fencing system isn't it yeah i think that's definitely part of the purpose of the four guards Although, interestingly, we aren't actually ever, like, I've definitely said this before, and I think it's true, but we aren't actually told to do it, like, anywhere. <laughs> right. Which is yeah. an interesting counterpoint to that argument. Yeah, and we are <laughs> told to fence from the four guards. Yeah. It's and like... I've never told when to fence from them. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that definitely, you know, maybe we can, maybe this pertains more to the fear for Zetson, but the four guards, because, like, Okay, so when you're actually like fencing in a fencing situation, there's different tactics that you use against different like you know what depending on what your opponent's doing, you're using different tactics. So if they're like point high and you're point high, then you're going to fence differently than if you're both point forward, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that definitely does, you know, reflect reality. So I think it makes sense for that to be part of the reason that they're listed here. But again, it's never explicitly stated, as T said. Cool. All right. So now that we've muddied the waters a bit, let's have a look at the, the gloss. Gloss goes, first guard is called ox, left foot forwards, hold your sword on your right side, hilt in front of your head, and let the point hang against the face. And... Then it has a version for that on the other side, on the left side. So with your right foot forward, sword on your left side, hilt in front of the head, long edge stands against you, and the point against the face. And it, one version at least has a picture. Any so what comments do you think on that? The bit about edges means there. I don't think I ever hold my ox on the left with the long edge pointed towards me. I think it's short edge on both sides when I do it. Is that wrong? Well, I obviously, do. by definition. I mean, well, I do it the way yeah. that the text says. Yeah, but what does the text mean there? Because I can't think of how to turn my long edge towards me in that position. Really? 
without like twisting my wrist in a really uncomfortable way. Just no, going to Yeah. Does kind of make sense there, but then again, I've I've I'm been my short edge is still on the, on the right. Uh, it shouldn't be. Long edge should be. What? If you'd no, like to mark up. I no, I don't understand. We're talking about the left box, right? Right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that should be long edge. Yeah. How? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um... Is is your thumb? It's, just, it's literally just like the end position of a twerhow, right? You just Are do a twerhow and you're in that position. Right. Are you holding what? You just do a twerhow and you're in that position, right? And that's your short edge out because that's the edge you just did a twerhow with. But when I do a... What? Oh, oh from your left. <laughs> if you just do a twerhow, like finishing with arms uncrossed, you've just cut with your short edge, right? That's a question. Uh, yeah. And the position you're standing in now fits all the features of left ox. Your right foot's forward. Your left, your sh hand is underneath. Your short edge is out. Now and you've got me questioning out whether my twer is a short edge cut. Because <laughs> I know which edge my short edge is, but I don't do thumb grip. And then when I do the thumb grip, neither edge is forward or backwards. But the edge that was my short edge oh, should be facing out. Thing, Are you one of the? Stick colored bits of tape to your sword. <laughs> I might have to do this anyway. Is this of any consequence to fencing? Well, it is. Uh, are we saying that then the thumb grip yeah. is part of ox? The thumb in, grip isn't in, in dancing, uh, the, I mean, right? Yeah, doesn't it say so the thumb comes below? It does yeah, say that. What does that mean? It means it's thumb grip, right? It Weren't you the one leading the charge against thumb grip, Steve? It's insofar, oh, as, thumb grip. insofar as thumb grip is a thing, it's the thumb grip. <laughs> <laughs> so if thumb grip exists, then this then you use it here. <laughs> I, I want to know if I've been doing my ox wrong all these years. Are you are you one of the vertical uh, cross guard oxes? No, I am. I like it to be about a forty five degree <laughs> angle usually. Okay. <laughs> anyway. That's all make a picture of us in Oxen and do it uh, no, and post it on the, on a podcast or something. Like if, if I do Oxen Plow, then my cross is going to make an X. With all Guys, no, nobody uses Ox anyway, so why are we, why are we arguing? <laughs> That's a good point. Okay. Uh, I don't Fucking believe God. that the knife Ox where you hold the cross parallel to the ground, though. That's just what? weird. Why not? Well, that's what the text describes. So Does it? No. Well, if the, if, says, if the thumb is below, then yeah, kinda. It makes and it I, easier to do the ox march if you hold it like that. Stampede. Yeah, also, stampede. I, I want to be a right knob here and say, what, what's the language used when it says hold the hilt in front of your head? Because lots of people's oxes, the hilt above the head or even behind the head. I mean, in Danzig, that's above the head, or in the Rome manuscript. Where it pictures the four guards. It's like uh, four yeah. or something. Yeah, in front of the head, not not yeah. behind the head. So. <laughs> and before the Could head. Could it be but... German prepositions are wrong? All right, let's move on to a guard that people use. What? <laughs> okay. We haven't solved this one yet. 
going to remain a mystery forever. Second guard is called the Plough of Range Yourself, Dusty. Okay. Stand with your left foot forward and hold your sword under your right side with crossed hands near your right side, with the pommel below you on your right hip over your knee so that the short edge is above, and your point stands in front of you against his face. Likewise, arrange yourself on the left side, blah, 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 right foot forward, sword on your left side, pommel below you on your left hip so that the long edge is turned upwards and your point stands against his face. So how um, far backwards sorry. do you guys retract your ox or your flug? Well, one more ox thing. If you look in Faulkner, it is in the thumb grip, so we can say that must be true. Okay, good. Um, so with plow, clearly I do it as far back as in Danzig. I want the pommel at least eight inches behind my hip. Are you being no. serious? Or? No. <laughs> my arms I, think do you should, I think you should retract it as much as as much as is feasible. <laughs> I, I, I would Go ahead. I would like to be able to do it according to the sources and uh, do it at my hip level, but... <laughs> Dislocate your shoulder and everything, yeah. <laughs> I am more of a uh, outstretched arms uh, fluke type of person, sadly. Uh, I tend to either do it quite... Well, it depends a bit. I'll, if I let it drift, I let it drift forward. If I getting if I get nervous, but I try to avoid that. Um, normally, I try to keep it either quite back or alternately let it drift out to the side, and get them to chase my blade out to the side so I can come inside instead. Yeah, so so I've, I, there are a couple of people that can do like a blade pull, uh, hilt pulled back, kind of like marching uh, attack. So T can do it, and I think if. Have you guys seen the video of Pete where he gets stabbed in the groin and falls over and then the shooting stars theme happens? No. <laughs> That's a great exchange. It's Pete Smallridge yeah. versus Artofama. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, so I, I think he's trying to do it in that video from what I can remember as well. So so people do do it, but I, I, Please it depends whether you're a, yeah, it depends whether you're a lump or a splitter. Doesn't it? Um, uh, I would agree with Steve that extending your plaid too far forward is wrong. Yeah. I don't know if I can get as far back as some of the pictures, but you should hold it back. It's not meant to be. You're, you're meant to be with retracting your sword, I think. Yeah, yeah. part of the point of uh, Flug is to refuse the blade, I think. Although, probably you should be in tail if you're going to do that. But what if you still want to have your point on one? <laughs> you have your point pointed to them, so you have right of way, but your blade is okay. refused. <laughs> All right, you go, podcast listeners. You now get a minute of people listening to a video. <laughs> you get to um with with flug, right? You get to uh like you're hiding your hands and the stronger blade, so it's a lot harder for somebody to control it. But you're keeping the point out there as a quick moving like you can harass them with the point in various ways. Uh, which is quite a nice combination. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna like start extending it out, then I say you might as well just be in like Schweckfenster. Might as well just do long point. What's the difference? What, what's the boundary between those two? Um, I know it when I see it. And <laughs> I usually think of plow as just my long point pulled backwards, and I don't really think of them as different position necessarily. But clearly, the text says that they are. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> sorry, Jerry's watching the video. 
I mostly think of a difference based on whether your hands are forward as a shallow target or not. Like, if I can hit your hands and your... If I'm close enough to hit your hands and I can also try and, like, reasonably attempt to hit you in the head or body, then you're probably in plow. If I can try and hit your hands while I'm out of range for you to, to hit you in the head or body, then you're probably in something resembling long point. Okay. Yeah, I think I define it more like uh, if you can engage their blade. Mm. <laughs> I think the the question crops up again, same as Ox, as to whether you have to have the the thumb grip in plow as well. Well, it doesn't say anything about the thumb grip in the text. Uh, no, all right, well, it says like so left uh, it plow. It's long edge up. Is, in Dantic, it says your thumb is below. Yeah. And, and Flug? Uh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong place, aren't I? Uh, yeah. Let me go back to. Da, 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 sorry, I was wrong. No, I don't Pretty know how you'd. you'd Doesn't have... Dantic have a thumb on the inside in Flug? No. I think one of them does. I think Mil does. The thumb against you. Yeah, so middle's ox, which is basically what we call fluke, isn't it? Um, there it says that your thumb uh, is supposed to uh, face against you. you. And the short edge upward. Yeah. Huh. How about that? Well, we don't care about him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. How dare you? Third guard is called Alva, which is full or poplar tree. If you're Steve, nobody else uses that. Don't use that. Uh, I use that. <sighs> I'm the one who told Steve about it. So, can we talk about the difference in the name right now? Yes, please. Haven't we already spent hours on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's a quick. It's an easy story. It's a. It's a very okay. short story. So basically, the names for for Albert come from two sources. One is uh, Joachim Meyer, and one is Paulus Hector Meyer. And uh, Joachim Meyer says in his book that like it comes from the old word Alber, meaning fool. And or he it says in his opinion actually he says in his opinion it comes from the fool. And then Paulus Hector Meyer has the uh, Latin translation of like the youth love, and he translated as uh, what's the exact word, Michael? Populus alba. Populus alba, which means the poplar tree, the white poplar tree. So you have two people who were, you know, in relatively the same time period. I think they were both like around 100 years after the text was written, and they both have different opinions on what the word meant. So, and if you, if you look in Grimm, both definitions are present. Yeah. I had a thing about so like the fool version came like came from um, Alvara or something. I don't know how to pronounce it in the old German with a W though instead of a B. And there's a couple of versions out there of the word Alba that is written with a W. So my wild theory is that that could potentially point to it being the fool definition, or at least the people who wrote those. Uh, thought it, maybe it was the full definition. So the interesting thing is that Meyer gives a, Johan Meyer gives a reason why he thinks it means fool. And it's because it's a guard that only a fool would use because you can't attack from it effectively without parrying first. 
Um, but in Hema, when we we agree that it means fool, we leave out the part where Meyer says it means fool because it sucks. Um, <laughs> and just say, oh, no, it's just called fool, and then make up a different reason. Um, hmm. I've heard a lot of different explanations for why it means fool. But nobody actually agrees with Meyer except in how they are used to translating it, uh, which is funny to me. I don't have – Paulus Hector doesn't give us a reason why he thinks it means poplar tree. Um, that I've been able to find. Although there is a place where he refers to it as the guard that is that is the way held the way a shepherd holds his staff, because sometimes he gets all poetical like that. And maybe shepherd staffs are made of poplar. I don't know. Hmm. All right. Well then. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So <laughs> no one's really sure what this guard is called besides Oliver. Yes. Or Oliver. Alver. Yeah, the three sources that say that are uh, the the Cal Nikolaus. There's one part in the title where it says where uh, it's spelled with W, and then there's um, the Codex Danzig 44A8. The pictures of the guards, Oliver is spelled with a W, and then the last one is the Faulkner Tournier book, which mm. spells it really weird. He spells it like A W E R or A W O R. But anyway, what have we to say about the actual guard itself? Uh, so I'd just like to point out that Alba, as in poplar tree, probably has the same derivation as Alba, as in Jessica Alba. <laughs> wow. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thanks for that one, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> All right, anyway, uh... One thing I find interesting about this guard is that there's no description here of a right side variation. Um, you, we only get this guard on the left side. Yeah. Um, right foot forward. Well, wow. no, because in Lev, he tells you to put your left foot forward. Yep. Well, he's clearly wrong, so we can ignore that. No way, Lev's <laughs> never wrong. Lev is always more right than everybody else. Um, um, uh... Also Literally has everything else disagrees with this. <laughs> right, which is why Lev is the best source. Medal says you can do it with the left foot forward, but it sucks. No, it says it's shorter. from agreeing with Ringak when everyone else disagrees. So, of the fool, stand with your right foot forward unless you're Lev. Hold your sword with outstretched arms with the point upon the ground. Stands in the picture next to this such that the short edge is turned above. All right, we don't have a picture because this is a podcast. <laughs> but uh, I think it's important to note outstretched arms point towards the ground. That isn't the kind of blade engagement, denial, plow thing that we see competition fences do, is it? Uh, I mean... I guess it depends what you mean by outstretched. I can have my arms pretty yeah. much stretched straight down and just like have my blade down and back. And the arms are close to full extension because my sword's pretty short, so it can be down there. The version in um, Rome slash Dantig looks like the pommel is pretty close and tight to the waist and the arms are just down all the way. But in Clooney, they're clearly extended forward and so is the guard. So I think there's variation within the sources as far as what the expectation of this is. 
Okay. Clooney also shows it with the left foot forward. I don't think any of those differences really matter that much tactically. No, and I think the point is that it doesn't matter which foot you have forward in Albert because that's not the point of the guard. Well, you should have your left foot forward because you should left have your too. left foot forward most of the time because <laughs> you're doing KDF. But you're not cutting from above from Albert, are you? So it doesn't matter. Well, you might. You just, have to, you sword to <laughs> you just have to lift up your sword first and then you can do it. So the question is, if I have my sword pointed backwards, am I still in Albert? Is it pointed at the ground? Yes, but the ground behind me. Yeah. Uh, so I would go ahead. I think left is the only one that tells you to hold your sword before you. What if my pommel is before me and the rest of it's not? Well, we, we've already dismissed left. So. <laughs> So then if your sword is pointing towards the door that you walked in from, then it's Alba according to the rest. Don't see what the problem is. Well, if you're just using these to define the fighting style of your opponent, then it doesn't matter where their sword is as long as it's low and their hands are low. Mm. Right. Sort of what I'm driving at is how general can we make these? Are they see them as specific postures? or as sort of general ideas of postures. Well, it's, it's interesting that it says um, the short edge is above, because that would then exclude Shranka, where you've crossed your arms over, so that the long edge is above on the left. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, if you told me to stand in Alber, then I would put my sword in front of me. I've gone through phases where I would where I've done Albert exclusively on the side, like in Fiore's Iron Door or Meyer's Wet Vexel. Um, but I don't. I mean, there are advantages and disadvantages to using that a lot. Uh, but I think that's also encompassed by the definition. Yeah, I think it works. I think a Scheidelhau works equally well against all of them. Um, Whatever that means right. to you. Last guard. Fourth guard is called Vomtag. From the roof or from the day. Anybody got any strong opinions? Both are okay. <laughs> Do you want to go through some history? It's from heaven, <laughs> but let's have some history. <laughs> so, um, the, the Behringer uh, proto-subtle says uh, von Himmel from there. Yeah. So, which means like from heaven or from the sky which points to the from the day. And then there's other sources, like I think Talhofer and maybe um, some other ones where they kind of use uh, Tog and Dach interchangeably. So D-A-C-H, which means like roof. And logically, both of them make sense, you know, coming from right. above. Spelling-wise, T-A-G and D-A-C-H are within the realm of just spelling variations for the same word. G and CH can be interchangeable, as can D and T. So you also see Tach and Dag um, in random manuscripts here and there, um, which means the whole thing is a confusing mess, and it's not really clear if one of them specifically is meant or not. I mean, for all I know, it could have been intended as both. There are lots of other puns in terminology. Does it matter whether you're fencing indoors or outside? <laughs> right, if you're inside. Yeah, if you're outside, it's Tug. 
Yeah, I think in, in some uh, German dialects, the G is pronounced like a ch also, which is similar to the CH. Is that true, Johanna? Um, there are definitely regions where uh, mm, a K or a K sound is spelled as a K. <laughs> no, wait, a K sound. So that definitely works. I have never seen it with the G sound, um, but maybe. Yeah. I think it's but more like like low German. Because I know in like Dutch, the G oh, is yeah. uh, a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, spelling-wise, they're definitely related. All right, so let's just interchange them. Let's say, let's just use them interchangeably and mix yeah. it up. Cool. All right, from the roof, stand with your left foot forward and hold your sword high over your head with outstretched arms or on your right shoulder. And turn your long edge forward and let your point hang back a little and thus stand in the guard. That's uh, that's all right, isn't it? it? Makes clear that you've got both hive on tag and on the shoulder variants. Long edges forward, points back a little bit. Easy. Well, okay. So <laughs> let's let's unpack that combination a little bit. So in Danzig the, and uh, Ringek, they give both of the shoulder and the overhead variations, but there's not those extra details about turning a long edge forward and letting it hang back. Those details are only in Lev, but Lev does mm -hmm. not include the shoulder version. Is he only high on tech? Yeah. The purest. Yeah. I think uh -huh. after going through Call and Rast, uh, Rast was interesting because he only includes, he, he takes the, his is closer to the Danzig version, but he leaves out the shoulder. So he only includes the overhead variant, but he doesn't have those extra left details. Which makes me think that maybe he purposefully left out the shoulder version. As the inferior to Vomtag, obviously. Yeah. And he was a captain of Mark's Bruder, so we believe what he says. <laughs> Does that mean we also have to believe the Faulkner thing where he holds the sword like hanging down his back? I, the I, I mean, <laughs> Jorg Wilhelm yes. Hutter has a one which is like outstretched in front of him, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, we're going to get yeah. to that. Don't worry. Clooney von Tag. Yeah. yeah. Martin Fabian von Tag. So why do you think this is referred to as the guard? This came up in the Discord recently. I don't recall if we came to any conclusions, but it's it's not the only place where Vomtag is referred to as standing in the guard. It's the guard, yeah. I don't know, because it's common. Because this is the one that you cut from. Because <laughs> this is the most popular tournament card. <laughs> is it? I don't think it is. I think um, left Lugenort. Yeah. Well, all right. So if we were to exclude von Flugenart as an abomination, then this is the close well, runner. Maybe not. Maybe not. Oh. Von, maybe not von Flugenort. Just Flugenort, I think, is the most it, common one. Well, clearly, this was the tournament meta guard back in the day. Right. right. Before they discovered Flugenort. Yeah, <laughs> it's the guard. Well, they weren't allowed to stab Infectula, so they wouldn't use. Yeah, they're in for the highest head wounds. So yeah, like no. No stabbing and no hand hits means von Flugenort kind of sucks. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. good. good point. They can't do that. They would swear house. Whereas High Vomtag is king in that meta. Yeah, exactly, because you're covering your head. 
So let's talk about Clooney from Tug then. And uh, so Clooney has hit, Clooney displays the sort of high bum tug classical position when discussing the Scheitelhau. But when it comes time to actually show the four guards, it shows a position that's like an inverted alber, where the sword is pointed generally forward, but still directed upward. Um, like you took your high bum tug and just swung it forward 90 degrees. Um, halfway into a cut, perhaps. And I believe in Wilhelm, in York Wilhelm, it's even more exaggerated forward. Um, where, and it's uh, interesting for a couple reasons, partly because it might give us some insight into why 3227A and Hans Madel both tell us that Vomtag is also considered long point. If you look at Clooney Vomtag, it's basically a high long point. But it's also interesting because it might give us some insight into sort of the way guards start changing in response to things like the Fechula. I have Fench from that position under Fechul type rules, and it is brilliant at guarding your head. Like when you're standing there with no hand hits allowed, your head is invincible um, until you begin, until you actually throw an attack. So it's great for intimidation and also for keeping your head protected. Under the other great solution to it is, of course, the classic like single stick uh, solution of smashing someone in the ribs until they bring their arms down. <laughs> sure, but that's considered impolite nowadays. But you know, <laughs> it requires you to get close enough to do that. Which, if they're in this particular position with their sword extended out and up, then you're walking right underneath it in order to hit their ribs, unless you have much longer arms. Yeah, so that's true. It's a it's a very threatening position as opposed to some of the positions where you just have your arms around your head, boxer style, to protect your head. Um, this is more aggressive, or at least more threatening. Anyway, so, I don't know, I, I kind of like defense from it, partly because no one really knows how to respond to it at first, and partly because it is a good position to attack from, um, particularly if you're trying to keep your opponent at distance. When I use it, I usually don't have my arms as extended as they show in the picture. I usually have my uh, my elbows kind of bent, and it's pointed like up at maybe a forty-five or a steeper, a steeper angle, and then you can get a nice little, nice little snappy cut out of it. Which, if you do a shortcut on tatami and you can successfully do it, then you're allowed to do cuts <laughs> like that in fencing. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. Cool. And the last thing is one of the, the four glosses at this point goes, and how you'll actually fence from these guards, you'll find it all written in this book. Which is real helpful. It's a lie. Well, it's not a lie because <laughs> there are there there's at least one thing for each of the guard. <laughs> at least one. That depends a bit on which gloss you read. There's nothing for Oxenringek, but I guess you have like your crazy winding play, although I've literally never yeah. ever seen anyone do that. So I'll, I've done it. I'll show you a video. Fair enough. Um, I does, does Ringek not talk about Ox in Absetsin? Uh No, he does all his Absetsin uh, from Flug. Yeah. <laughs> Neither does uh, Dante and Love. It's only Absetsin. No, 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 no. People, I, I, I think he's using a singular here. So I think what he's saying, uh, it, it's Ringek, by the way. So Ringek says, uh, 
after the explanation of the Hut vom Tag. He says, uh, und wie du aus der Huten fechten sollst, das findest du in diesem Buch geschrieben. And I think he means uh, <laughs> um, how you shall fence from this God. You find it all written in this book. What? Ah, now that's much more reasonable and believable. I can totally get on board with that. That's really? <laughs> From the guard? I think that's the reason why he's, um, or why they're all basing most of the uh, Stücke from the Hut vom Tag. Nice. Mm. Now that's a great mm. observation. I like that. So really, this is the art of Vom Tag. But that's, it's, it's only Ringek that says that, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, good. So that doesn't apply to me. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Touch that well, that's because all the others are garbage <laughs> yeah I mean yeah in Lev there's at least one for you know each card because there's those plays where it's like if you fence from the sweeps or if or from the um, the underhues or from the guard which is called fool then you know do this this and that and the other so huh. And then Ox gets two, which is all it needs because nobody mm -hmm. uses Ox anyway. At least the Glasgow version of Ringek, it's uh, yeah, I, I just, Ox then Hooten. That I saw it too. So the, the Dresden version um, uses, in my opinion, the singular, um, <laughs> the Glasgow, uh, yeah, it probably uses the plural. <laughs> Ooh. That's interesting because I just checked all the translations of Ringek that we have. Um, and they all make it plural, but none of them are based on Glasgow. Okay. Fascinating. Right, one more thing to talk about before we wrap this up. Not all the the versions of Lichtenhauer that we have agree on these names for these positions. True. Well, we've uh, definitely missed like a more important topic before we get to this, which is what about Left Bomb Tag? <laughs> we didn't miss That's any topic. It's not real. We didn't miss nothing. Yeah, I think it's not real. Yeah, it's totally not real. But that was the point I wanted to make. Like, make sure we made all of the descriptions. It's either overhead or it's uh, on your strong side. Um, well, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Have you looked at Hans Madel? <laughs> he totally doesn't count. <laughs> on the right foot forward. <laughs> if you your Albert von Tag thing is something completely different. And totally mad. He does I say think, to hold it on your right side, though, even with the right foot forward. Yeah, I think uh, Hans Madel is. I think he's doing the um, Clooney from Tog. I agree. Extended yes, I agree. arms, just as in the speaking window. His text terminates before he gets to the speaking window, unfortunately. But man, what I wouldn't give to have the complete Madel gloss. Yeah. See, it's so many strange interpretations we're missing out on because we don't have his thoughts on Zuzuken and Abschneiden and Hendedruken. So, so on guard names, we have these four are universally accepted as the correct guard names in HEMA, but they're far from universal in manuals um, in the text. So in RDL, we have general agreement on what the four guards are. With the exception of like you know, Hagentag versus shoulder maybe, or what foot goes forward in Alber, but it's pretty consistent. If you venture outside of that little pool, then you get a lot more variation 
um, not only with the point forward from tug, but also in which names apply to which guard. Um, in 3227A, the sort of low guard with the point on the ground is referred to as plow, and the lower hanger with the point forward is referred to as fool or alber, poplar tree. So, but Madel goes even further, and he has the well, the only position that, that is the same as an RDL would be from Tug. So he has the full slash poplar tree as his upper hanger, what we would call ox. He has his ox is then the lower hanger, what we call plow, and his plow is with the point on the ground, same as 3227A. Um, and then when we get further afield into Meyer, you get even more different guard variations. But if you look in the interesting thing, if you look in Clooney, it actually has all of the names from RDL and all of the names from Hans Madel for each position. So it shows all four guards, and then it says Fool, also called the Ox, um, right? And it goes through them all like that. So it wasn't just Madel or 3227A making up some crap or getting confused. It appears to have actually been a teaching that existed. Um, in multiple different places. Well, Just Meyer gives us. Jochen Meyer has them all in their correct spots, doesn't he? Well, he adds a whole bunch of other ones, but the four. Yeah, main so ones. He, he breaks it up a lot. I mean, his so his plow. So a lot of his guards are held differently, but you could argue that they're generally analogous to what's in RDL. There's nothing that, that directly contradicts, but like his plow is held in the center with the pommel by the knee, which is also what Hans Metal tells you to do with plow, or I guess he calls it um, ox. And his vomtag uh, on the shoulder becomes Zornhut. I think his ox and his alber are pretty normal, what we would consider normal. So, anyways, the the, the and you know, we we we, don't, we shouldn't be surprised by this because obviously Meyer had access to RDL um, and owned copies of Lev and Ringek, and also whatever his tradition was probably included that. But there, what, this is another place like the Kron where we might see a different divergent opinion between different Lichtenauer masters of what teach what names go to what uh, what guards. This is pretty crazy though. This is like. In jiu-jitsu, getting mountain guard swapped over, or in boxing, a jab and a cross. <laughs> I mean, maybe, right. but at the same time, these names don't seem to be that important to the overall teaching. I would say that we use them far more in HEMA than the texts ever do. Uh, and they're more often, they're more likely to just tell you to hold your sword with the cross in front of your head than to tell you to stand an ox, for example. Um, or to put your sword on the shoulder of the guard instead of Fontag. So it may be that these names just weren't considered an important part of the teaching, and masters just sort of assigned them however they, they thought they made sense. Or it's a case where the teachings of Lichtenauer were unclear, and they made it the best they could. If you think about it, the name Plow does seem like it would fit the point of the ground pretty well, if you know yeah. what a Plow is. So there's the sort of non-Lichtenhauer gem stuff that we've got. So we've got Valestein. Um, does that have guards? No. Is that Nuremberg tradition? No. Okay. 
Talhoffer's got plenty of weird and wonderful guards that later we see in Maya. Well, it's interesting. Talhoffer actually has another thing which you see quite a bit in some of the other stuff like uh, Lignitzer and so on, which is the description of guards as the names of cuts that you do from the guards or things you do from the guards. So phrases like stand in the vexel how and stuff. Um, yeah. And, and Paul Sector is all about that. Yeah, that's in uh, Jörg Wilhelm a lot also. And in uh, the Spire version of Lev, as you start in the Vexel, you can do Absetzen from it. Hmm. Cool. All right. Just one very last thing I'd like to mention then uh, is that the um, armored and mounted material doesn't have any of these fancy names. It just numbers all the guards. This is true. Yeah. And you could argue that Lichtenauer does the same thing, or at least that he has both, because in the in RDL, they all agree on the sequence of guards, and it's always the first guard is Ox, the second guard is called Plaid, the third guard is called Alber, and the fourth guard is called Day. So they so are never... Really be calling these guard one, guard two, guard three? Yeah. In fact, maybe the then are... the... Okay, so here's a wild theory. The common thing is the name, and the systematic thing like that makes them the look narrow thing is the numbers. Hmm. So he's taken like these basic common names that everybody knew and said, okay, this is number one, this is number two, this is number three, this is number four, job done, forget the rest. Yeah. In the armored and mounted, sometimes he gives like nicknames to the guards too. Like there's a low kind of Albert like guard in horseback that's like on the side of your horse pointed pointed downward. And I think he calls that Nabenhut at one point. And then I think the on the knee guard is referred to in uh, armored is referred to as Shrankhut, maybe. So he he doesn't give them specific names, but he gives them like nicknames or like things to identify them sometimes. Hmm. Cool. Has anybody got anything else to add, or shall we wrap up? Brilliant. Beautiful science. All right. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been episode 23 of Fencing by the Book on the positions. Guards? Guards. Thank you for listening.